Section 7 of Messengers of Evil by Marcel Alain and Pierre Silvestre. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter 7 Pearls and Diamonds. Nadine? Princess? Nadine, what time is it? The young Circassian, with hair as black as ink, supple and slender, rose from her chair and was hastening from the bedroom to ascertain the time when her mistress recalled her. "'Don't go away, Nadine. Stay with me.' The dusky Circassian obeyed. She stared with big, astonished eyes into those of her mistress. "'But, Princess, why don't you wish me to go?' The Princess stammered in a mysterious tone. "'Don't you know, then, Nadine?' that to-day is the anniversary and i am frightened princess sonia danidoff was in her bathrobe it must have been a quarter past eleven or even nearer midnight than that although she had lived in paris for years she had never been able to make up her mind to settle in a flat of her own possessing an immense fortune she much preferred the american way of living and had taken a suite of rooms in one of those great palace hotels near the place de l'Otoile though a very smart staff of servants was reserved for her exclusive use her favourite attendant was a pretty circassian in whom she had absolute confidence this nadine was a native of southern russia the movement of city life and civilized manners and customs had at first terrified this little savage but she had learned to adapt herself to her changed surroundings and was now high in the favour of princess sonia she and she alone was authorized to be present when the beautiful great lady took her daily baths for some years past the princess had insisted on the presence of a maid when she took her baths without fail they must either be in the bathroom itself or in the room next to it within reach or call but on this particular evening sonia danidoff more nervous and restless than usual would not allow nadine to leave her for a second as to the time well if she did not know the exact time it could not be helped really it did not matter to her whether she were half an hour or no for the ball given in her honour by Tomery, the millionaire sugar refiner in fact it would be much better to make her appearance after all the guests had assembled her arrival would give the crowning touch of brilliancy to this society function sonya danidoff had pronounced the word anniversary in a tone of anguish so sincere that nadine was genuinely alarmed she knew only too well what this fatal word meant to her mistress she had not forgotten that five years ago to the day just when the princess was enjoying her evening bath a mysterious individual had appeared before her who after frightening her had robbed her of a large sum of money the adventure would have been little out of the ordinary for hotel robberies are frequent had not the audacious bandit been quickly identified as the enigmatic and elusive fantomas whose prodigious reputation had only increased with the passage of the years sonia danidoff who was not ignorant of the dramatic adventures imputed to this legendary hero could not bear to think of the position she had been placed in that awful night when threatened and robbed by fantomas she had escaped death by a series of unknown and unguessable circumstances the tormenting mystery of it all preyed insistently upon her mind since then sonia danidoff had never taken a bath without thinking of fantomas and every year when the anniversary of his aggression came round she suffered cruelly 
she was seized with wild unreasoning fears at the idea that she might see this terrifying bandit appear before her again and that this time he would be merciless nadine knew all this she also shuddered at the vision this horrible anniversary evoked but controlling herself she was anxious to change the current of her dear mistress's thoughts forget try to forget sonya danidoff she counselled in her melodious voice you are going to a ball at monsieur thomery's at your fiancé's house the princess shuddered ah nadine my nadine she cried raising herself and regarding her maid with a strange look i cannot overcome my uneasiness my alarms this coincidence of date agitates me you know how superstitious we are at home in our russia and the life i lead in paris has not destroyed in me the simplicity of soul of a daughter of the steppes nadine did not know what reply to make to this pathetic outburst the princess went on and then do you see i think it wrong of monsieur thomery to even want to give this ball only a fortnight after the tragic death of that poor baroness de vibray i tried to dissuade him from it i think the baroness was his most intimate friend once so it is said murmured nadine sonya danidoff went on as if speaking to herself i am not sure of it it is precisely to remove this suspicion from my mind that thomery was determined to have his ball to-night at all costs the baroness de vibray so he told me was no more than a good old friend i cannot make her death an excuse for putting off the announcement of our marriage that would be to give colour to the scandal sonya danidoff shrugged her beautiful shoulders hand me a mirror nadine obeyed the princess gazed long and complacently at the marvellously lovely face reflected in the glass princess cried nadine you must leave the bath you will be late otherwise in the adjacent dressing-room brilliantly illuminated by electric light the princess dressed with the aid of nadine proud and happy to be the sole assistant of her beloved mistress the toilette was a triumph silk of an exquisite blue draped with silk muslin encrusted with point de venise and bands of ermine a costly masterpiece of the dressmaker's art it enhanced the brilliant beauty of sonya danidoff and threw nadine into raptures the princess opened her jewel-box this evening nadine i shall be pearls and diamonds cried the lovely creature as she fixed two large grey pearls in her ears oh how beautiful you are princess and what a lot they must have cost cried nadine ten thousand francs my child on each side of my head sonya slipped on her fingers three diamond rings set in platinum and here are eight or nine thousand francs more continued she as nadine's eyes grew round with wonder her mind could hardly grasp all these thousands of francs worth of diamonds and pearls there were still more to come for rejecting a magnificent bracelet on the plea that one no longer wore them at balls the princess smilingly bade her circassian fasten round her neck a superb triple collar of pearls to this was added a sparkling cascade of diamonds never had nadine seen her beautiful mistress so richly dressed thus adorned in nadine's eyes sonya danidoff was dazzlingly beautiful exquisitely lovely you look like the holy virgin on the icons stammered nadine kneeling before her mistress quite overcome by emotion good heavens that is blasphemy i am only a humble human creature said the princess smiling then she once more looked at herself in the mirrors well satisfied with her appearance certain of the effect she would produce on her future husband thomery 
she threw over her shoulders a superb mantle of zibeline which was quite needed for though it was the middle of april it was quite cold then ready at last she descended to her motor-car and was whirled away to the ball cranajour cranajour mother toulouse shouted herself breathless she tried to shout louder and louder it was in vain she might shout herself hoarse there was no reply the old termagant who had left the front of her hovel and had gone to call her assistant shouting in the passage at the back of the store returned cursing and swearing and seated herself near the store in the lean-to which did duty as a kitchen where in devil's name has that imbecile got to she grumbled whilst sipping with gusts from the bottom of a cup into which she had poured a small allowance of coffee and a copious ration of rum it was about eleven in the evening there was not a sound to be heard having finished her rum and tea the old receiver of stolen goods went to the entrance of the passage cranajour cranajour yelled the old termagant there was no answer he can't possibly be in his canteen said mother toulouche to herself if he was he'd have answered fool though he is and would have come down sure he's going to drag his old down at heels somewhere but where oh well we can manage to do without him the old receiver went back to her store and was starting on a queer sort of job when the door which led on to the quay burst open before a panting breathless individual he ran right up the store and stopped short mother toulouche had seized the first thing she could find and had taken up a defensive attitude her weapon was a great ancient cavalry sabre but the newcomer intended no harm quite the contrary after an instinctive recoil he leaned against a table and wiped his forehead breathing in gasps incapable of pronouncing a syllable mother toulouche had recognized him ah it's you redhead and not a bit too soon either i've been waiting for you this last half hour ernestine will be there in ten minutes time however is it you are so late redhead was well named his bullet head was covered with russet red hair cut very short his complexion was a good match his bloated cheeks and his potato-shaped nose were covered with red patches his shaven chin was a tawny red round his little gimlet eyes was a fringe of red lashes it was a bestial face he was hatless above his waistcoat with metal buttons he wore a black coat his trousers had a yellow line down them he was evidently a servant wearing the livery of some big house the fellow was slowly recovering his breath but he continued to wipe great drops of sweat off his narrow forehead he was shaking all over and his morose countenance was twitching and contracting nervously well what's your news good or bad questioned mother toulouche in a brutal tone redhead replied almost inaudibly that depends it's good on the whole a gleam of cupidity showed in the old receiver's eyes got a bit of tin on her back that woman eh redhead nodded with a yes thereupon mother toulouche went back into her back store and returned with a claret glass filled to the brim with rum shoot that down your throat that'll put you right when he had swallowed the bumper he seemed to gain courage and said if i didn't get here sooner it's because i had to wait but i saw the little thing what's her name nadine replied redhead and added a pretty little brat too she's got some fire in her eyes what's that to do with it interrupted mother toulouche you don't mean to tell me you were able to make her gabble a bit she queried contemptuously redhead bridled likely since i know everything now and i'm her sweetheart let me tell you mother toulouche said in a jeering tone you don't tell me you oh replied redhead 
it's just a way of speaking she's a good little thing there's nothing to it you know so much the worse declared mother toulouche virtuous sorts aren't any use to our lot well what did she tell you out with it well said redhead i waited three-quarters of an hour before nadine joined me i had no bother in making her talk i can tell you without the asking she told me everything she was pretty well flabbergasted with all the jewels her mistress had stuck on her clothes and her skin seems there's hundreds of thousands worth all pearls and diamonds nothing but mother toulouche was calculating real pearls real diamonds it's possible there's all that worth steps could be heard on the pavement just outside redhead began to shake all over who is it he asked someone coming in mother toulouche grinned be easy then haven't i told you there's nothing to fear nevertheless he asked anxiously there's nothing more i'm wanted for here is there i've told you all i know no no it's all right replied mother toulouche maternal and conciliating there's nothing more for you to do here still if you want to see big ernestine without waiting to hear the end of her sentence redhead hurried toward the exit mother toulouche did not try to detain him after all she said in a low tone to his back as a kind of farewell cut your sticks my lad since you're funky when alone she grumbled aloud what a lot they are i never did white-livered and for nothing at all mother toulouche was still muttering when big ernestine marched in through the back way she had on a large hat and was heavily veiled she proceeded to remove both hat and veil well she queried they've got on to it all right redhead has just gone he knows through the little maid that the princess went off to the ball dressed up to the nines hung with jewels like a shrine big ernestine uttered a deep sigh of satisfaction her only reply was to hustle the old receiver look alive mother toulouche you've got to give me a beggar's outfit it's up to you to see i'm disguised properly and there's not a minute to lose either mother toulouche was an expert at disguises and make-up of every sort this was not to be wondered at considering the queer company she kept and the fraudulent business she carried on and the smuggling she was mixed up in big ernestine disguised as a poverty-stricken creature and rendered unrecognizable looked exactly like some unfortunate reduced to soliciting alms she walked into the back store and helped mother toulouche to take from a cupboard some bottles bandages and medicated cotton wool by the light of a smoky lamp the two women scrutinized the labels sniffing the various files and flasks big ernestine with the aid of mother toulouche prepared compresses of pomade and cotton wool on which she sprinkled a few drops of a yellow liquid giving out a sickening odor besides this big ernestine put inside her bodice a long file after making certain that the mixture with which it was full contained chloroform then under mother toulouche's watchful eye ernestine prepared what was called in that world of light-fingered gentry the mask a mask of cotton which is moulded by force on the face of the victim in order to plunge him or her into a heavy sleep whilst making these sinister preparations the two women talked as they went on with their evil task big ernestine said in reply to mother toulouche's questionings oh it's simple enough it's like this when the motor-car stops i shall go to the right-hand door and begin to beg likely enough the princess won't want to hear what i have to say but while i attract her attention mimile who will be on the other side will open the door and will stick the compress on her mug she won't struggle besides mimile will have hold of her and then i'll have had time to see where her jewels are and how they are fastened and then i'll soon have them in my pocket my deepen mother toulouche nodded it's arranged all right but how will you arrest the motor oh that's where the others come in 
they'll do it all right i expect they're seeing to it now but look here cried mother toulouche mamil isn't in bits then they said he had fallen from his flyer big ernestine gave a laugh he fell right enough poor little fellow and from pretty high too but he's not broken a thing not this time a bit of luck i don't think eh he's a mascot i'm certain declared mother toulouche then she said you spoke of the others who are they the others but didn't they tell you cried the surprised ernestine for she thought old mother toulouche was in the know why there's the beetle and the beard oh cried mother toulouche much impressed if the beard's in it then it's a serious affair yes replied big ernestine staring hard at the old receiver of stolen goods it's serious all right if the chloroform doesn't work oh well they'll bring the knife into play big ernestine looked at her little silver watch to mark the time past midnight she remarked i must hurry off and see what they're up to as she was making off mother toulouche stopped her have a glass of rum to start on it puts heart into you the two women were quite ready for a drink together when they had swallowed their dose big ernestine smacked her tongue famous stuff it puts a heart into you and no mistake yes it's the right stuff the best agreed mother toulouche it's what nibbit prefers she added then she cried but nibbit how isn't he in it big ernestine put a finger on her lips nibbit's in it of course as he always is you know that old toulouche but he's content to show the way you know he seldom does anything himself besides it seems he's on duty at the depot to-night big ernestine threw an old shawl over her head and went off crying i'm off and in for it now soon be back mother toulouche the magnificent mansion of Tomery, the sugar refiner overlooked the parc monceau it was approached by a very quiet little avenue in which were a few big houses it opened onto the boulevard malacherbes and was known as the avenue de valois all the dwellings there are sumptuous richly inhabited and if the avenue is peaceful and silent by day it is no uncommon thing to see it of an evening crowded with carriages and luxurious motor-cars come to fetch the owners away to dinners and entertainments on this particular evening the approaches to the avenue de valois were full of animation motors and broughams succeeded one another in a long file putting down the guests of Tomery under an immense marquee covering the steps leading up to the vestibule all the smart world had been invited to the reception all paris swarmed into the brilliantly illuminated entrance halls of the mansion two mounted policemen sat as immovable as bronze caryatids on either side of the entrance whilst the swarm of policemen made the carriages move on and drove away from the aristocratic avenue de valois the band of poverty-stricken and ragged creatures who crowded the pavement with the hope of securing a handsome tip by opening a carriage door or picking up some fallen object it was no easy matter to keep order one of the police sergeants accustomed to ceremonial functions remarked to one of his younger colleagues i've seen balls and receptions enough well my boy this tomery affair is as fine a set out as if it were at the president's although it was one o'clock in the morning both on the boulevard malacherbes and at the entrance to the rue de monceau there was movement and activity if as seemed likely there was a crush in the great reception rooms of the tomery mansion it was certain that outside the crowd had to form up in line to get near the counters where the wine sellers were serving their customers without a moment's intermission serving them with drinks of every description thus there was a hubbub there was noise and roistering clamour all around 
most of the chauffeurs coachmen and servants knew one another mingling with all this aristocracy of the servant class were pickpockets mendicants obsequious and wheedling who offered themselves as understudies to these of the upper ten of the servant world and these aristocrats were ready to seize this chance of a little liberty and at the same time play the generous patron to these poor failures in life's battle in fact they gave more generous tips than their masters or did they not rub shoulders with misery and thus realize only too vividly the measureless horrors of destitution ernestine and mamille lost themselves in the noisy crowd they were all eyes and ears for everything going on around them whilst keeping in view their two accomplices the beetle and the beard this was more than usually difficult because they were disguised almost out of recognition the beard was muffled in a blue blouse and a big soft hat which gave him the look of a peasant who had wandered into a crowd with which he had nothing in common the beetle was capitally disguised as a coachman in good service who was out of a situation but who from vanity and custom sports the emblems of office he was continually chewing a quid of tobacco for such is the habit of coachmen who cannot smoke on their seats and thus console themselves with two sous worth of roll tobacco the beetle stopped beside a chauffeur who had just got down from his car a magnificent limousine lined with cream cloth while its exterior was a dark maroon in the best taste why it's casimir cried the beetle going up to the chauffeur with hands outstretched and smiling face mechanically the chauffeur addressed as casimir responded to the offered hand-clasp but after a short silence he said in a questioning tone quite frankly i cannot recall you can't you remember me cried the beetle why don't you remember cesar cesar who was with rothschild last year no casimir could not remember but he was quite willing to believe that he knew cesar for he had seen and known so many since he had been in the service of princess sonia danidoff that there was nothing extraordinary about his forgetfulness besides cesar looked quite a decent fellow and had a taking face and one only had to look at that beaming countenance of his to be sure that an invitation to take a drink together would soon be forthcoming the beetle satisfied that he had so easily made a friend of the chauffeur of sonia danidoff whom he had only known by sight for the last forty-eight hours did in fact suggest their taking a glass together the beetle had indeed come up to expectations drink was casimir's besetting sin excellent chauffeur solid and serious fellow as he was he had two defects he was addicted to tippling though he never drank to excess and never got drunk also he was fond of a gossip he could talk for hours without stopping the beetle had been posted up regarding casimir's little weaknesses and tastes thus nothing was easier than to set trap after trap into each of which the simple fellow fell as they were set fell fatally the beetle introducing the beard to casimir under the name of father india rubber an old codger whose trade was to buy and sell tires to chauffeurs tires new and also second-hand at this moment a young ragamuffin appeared on the scenes he asked if he might be left in charge of the car it was mamille the young hooligan who had followed the conversation of the three men and of casimir in particular whilst keeping in the background now intervened at the right moment he made his offer just as the chauffeur was looking about him in hopes of finding some poverty-stricken creatures into whose charge he could give his car casimir gave him twenty sous as an earnest of what was to follow in the way of coin saying take great care of my little shanty don't let anyone come mooching round it 
and when i return you shall have double what you've just had thank you mister cried mamille bowing low before the chauffeur you may rest assured i shall keep a good lookout mamille exchanged signs of understanding with his two accomplices whilst they talking as they went drew the innocent casimir towards the nearest tavern which was crowded with wine-bibbers mamille as faithful guardian of the limousine soon got bored although big ernestine was prowling around and came to have a minute's talk with him now and again they dared not be seen together too much for fear of attracting attention as time went on mamille was surprised that neither the beetle nor the beard came to report progress but at long last the majestic outline of the beard was seen at the corner of the rue monsieur the pretended seller of india-rubber was coming out of the tavern he hastened to mamille and in a low distinct voice he gave some hurried instructions for now there was no time to lose that idiot would never get done with his stories about motor-cars and all that stuff and rubbish what's that to us but keep your ears open now mamille it seems there are still fifteen litres of petrol in the tank and that would take it a long way for the motor consumes very little but this shanty has got to stop about five hundred yards from here at the corner of the rue de monceau and the rue de teheran it's by this way casimir will take his baroness back from the ball well what you have to do is to take fourteen litres and a half from that tank and pitch them in the gutter when casimir finds that his petrol is given out he will have to go in search of more it's during his absence that we will work the trick on the pretty princess we'll perform an operation on her and amputate her jewelry the whole lot the beard drew from under his blouse an empty bottle which he had stolen in the tavern here's your measure count carefully fourteen litres and a half that done wait quietly till casimir turns up your part in the story will be forty sous and not to rouse his suspicions then while he goes up to the avenue de valois to take up the princess you and ernestine have to gallop off to the corner of the rue de monceau and the rue de Tauron, and then wait mamille with the agility of a monkey and the ability of a first-rate chauffeur for there was nothing he did not know in the way of applied mechanics as became an aviator executed to the letter his accomplice's orders the beard meanwhile had returned to the tavern and casimir suddenly all was activity in the world of carriages and coachmen the great ball was drawing to its end casimir was once more in possession of his motor and had generously tipped his understudy thereupon the hooligan had made off as fast as his legs would carry him ernestine joined him at the appointed spot there the two rogues waited listen cried big ernestine some fifteen minutes later she stared in the direction of the boulevard malesherbes with neck outstretched and straining eyeballs at last after an agonizing wait she and mamille saw the carriages driving by attention cried big ernestine in a sharp whisper everybody's on the move at last the beetle and the beard hidden in the crowd which thronged the approaches to the Tomary mansion awaited the departure of princess sonia danidoff the idea of this rich prey excited them then as they stared at the first outflow of departing guests the two bandits could not but notice that far from looking gay and animated as people do who have danced and supped well these guests of tomery showed pale dejected faces in fact they had all the appearance of people under the influence of some tragic emotion they look pretty down in the mouth don't they whispered the beard in the beetle's ear that's a fact you'd think they were returning from a funeral then a vague rumour began to circulate 
confirmation followed spread insensibly within the tomary mansion was passed on by the lackeys spread from the pavements to the avenue people whispered of incomprehensible things incredible but which little by little took definite shape it was said that the tomary ball had just become the scene of an accident of a drama of a robbery of a crime the police and of the highest grade had intervened the news spread like a train of ignited gunpowder nevertheless if tomary's guests were cognizant of the details they did not take the beggars and pickpockets into their confidence among the light-fingered gentry conjectures were rife the beetle and the beard who tried to catch odds and ends of talk separately joined each other again looking crestfallen discomfited the beetle broke silence with an oath adding i am certain we have been done someone has gone in before us been too smart for us beard nodded he was of the same opinion but who then could have had the audacity to plan such an attempt and carry it out too who could have had the same idea as he and his comrades and to realize it successfully whoever it was had proved himself the better man in spite of himself the bandit in thought formulated one word fantomas End of chapter 7 Read by Don W. Jenkins Rancho San Diego, California Shaggybark.blogspot.com